0: You're listening to a Dharma Talk from Sunday Morning Zen, a
1: program of the Zen Life and Meditation Center of Chicago. This morning, Mark Shishengalula is gonna introduce today's speaker. Thank you, Shikin. Morning, everybody. So this morning, um, Brad Hunter uh, is going to be speaking with us. Brad um, and I are Dharma friends. We met at Upaya um brad how many years ago now
0: so that would have been being with dying yeah i was, I was still working then um so it's probably 2013
1: 2014. okay yeah a while ago that sounds about right it definitely was it being with dying and then we met again um he and darcy his wife um at the at one of the grace workshops uh, also at, uh, at Upaya, and uh, I saw a Dharma brother in uh, in Brad, and I'd like to think he and, he and I. Uh, his wife, by the way, Darcy spoke to us about a month ago. Um, you might remember she spoke on grief, um, a slightly different topic from this morning. Um, Brad, uh, interestingly, uh, worked uh, with cemeteries, which um, I heard Roshi Jones say once, um, working in the charnel grounds is a great way to practice and learn about the meaning of life and death. Um, some You can read about Brad uh, in the website today, but there's a part of Brad that you don't know, and that is that every Sunday, he takes uh, certain core teachings from various Pali Sutras. Remember, he is now a Theravadan uh, practitioner. Uh, and designs a kind of a self-guided meditation that can help embody the meanings of the teachings. He's been doing it weekly for a lay Theravadan teacher who has a daily Dharma Facebook site with 15,000 English-speaking members, and the whole thing gets translated to another 16 or more. Remember, uh, Theravadan is like uh, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, India, huge number of Uh, Buddhists practice Theravadan uh, Buddhism, so that this is quite a thing that Brad does and I'm sure it deepens his practice. So Brad, welcome this morning, my friend, glad to have you with us.
0: Thank you, thank you, uh, Mark. Um, So I, uh, during the breakout session, there was a message that my internet connection was a bit wonky. so. I'm hoping that uh, it makes it through this. So I'd like to just take a minute to maybe connect through just a moment of metta. So if you can just receive kindness into the body in an embodied way. goodwill towards yourself, goodwill towards others. In the Mata Sutta it says, pervading the all-encompassing world with a heart infused with kindness, goodwill, compassion, joy, equanimity, and serenity, and including ourselves in that circle of compassion of matter. Okay. <clears throat> so where to start? Um, well, let's start here. Zen master Dogen said, here is the place From here, the way unfolds. Dogen is so pithy. Uh, It's it's almost a wonder that some marketing team hasn't grabbed onto that, just like they have with so many mindfulness things. Picture that on the side of a truck. Here is the way From here, the way unfolds becomes a a marketing slogan for some company. Back in the day after university, I was uh, working for the roads department, uh, cleaning catch basins. Uh, This was during the early 70s, and there was not a lot of work. Um, so the first Trudeau, Pierre Elliott, created these make work programs just to keep people employed. And there was one guy who used to ride on the same truck with us. And as we got our job assignments, as we get to a certain site, it it never failed. As soon as we got there, he would say, this must be the place there ain't no other freaking place but I kind of doubt that he read dogan <laughs> and I also doubt that dogan had his first beer at 9:30 in the morning so um, so it's, it's kind of easy to to do a big so what i've had people in mindfulness groups say, uh, some new people after a short period of time say, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm mindful. You know, what, what's the big deal? Then I've had people say to me after 20 years of practicing mindfulness, I give a Dharma talk somewhere at a hospice or something like that, and people would say, I've been doing mindfulness for 20 years. I never heard the word deathless. Oh, really? Have you ever read the Dhammapada? Have you ever read any of the ancient masters? So there's a difference between mindfulness TM and mindfulness as a Zen practice or a Theravada practice. So one of the teachers that I work with, is one of my favorite teachers. And one of the reasons, one of the things that sold me very early on with him was a statement he made somewhere where he said, most of us come to this practice Already shredded. We come to the practice with our, he likes to call it the psychic body, the emotional body, the the sense of self, the inner sense of being who you are. Already so disconnected from embodied experience, disconnected from our genuine self, he says, it's shredded. So a big part of the work is reintegration. So here's a little piece from him talking about the here and now. Says <clears throat> Ajahn Suchito. The here and now that offers rest and peace is not a thought sensation, or state of mind. These things, which we customarily make mistake to be the real business, continually defy and tantalize us with their scintillating changeability. Right here and now is the awareness as location Empathy, embodied awareness, one that sees clearly and doesn't hold on or reject. This is a lasting refuge. Everything you experience passes through this gate. You can't have it, name it, get it, or get rid of it. You can only rest in it. And this is why it gives us ease. So there's no here and now in the here and now. There's nothing you can grasp. You can only rest in it. This is the here and now that Dogen's talking about. Here is the place. A couple of pieces in here To my mind, echo Dogen. Without being given, this state is received. Without being taken by force, this state is acquired. Without being given, it doesn't come from anywhere. You can't force your way into it. Sounds like grace, doesn't it? Sounds like grace. Another couple of Dogen pieces. There is a trace of realization that cannot be a trace of realization we endlessly express the ungraspable trace of realization. We are already the expression of it. And in terms of here and now, each moment is all being, is the entire world. Reflect now if there is any being or any world left out of the present moment. And finally, the longness and shortness of the present moment can be recognized by utilizing a big image of the moon, which is reflected on the surface of the ocean and the small image of the moon on the surface of a cup of water. Or another example, the very wide scale of the whole sky itself and the very narrow space of the moon, which is shining in the sky. So before COVID, I guess probably about a year before COVID, I I put together a a two day um, retreat thing for hospice, and I just called it uh, the grace of presence and the presence of grace. And by that, I don't mean it comes from somewhere. I mean, grace that comes from somewhere isn't really grace, is it? Doesn't, if, it come, if it comes from outside, it's not actually grace. Grace is already present. And grace is presence. Presence is grace. The presence that Dogen is pointing to. The presence that Rinzai is pointing to. The presence that the Buddha was pointing to. The presence of your own awareness right now. This body sitting here. Sounds. Sounds. That's it. So, um, I I don't want to say bad, (laughs) bad, bad. Something good word. That's not a good word. That's interesting. Um, I don't want to say negative things about my previous uh, Zen lineage because it it's wasn't really the lineage itself. It was how I approached my practice that um, I ended up having to shift into Theravada. We were so, back in the day, we were so um, macho intent on enlightenment that, you know, it was like bone breaking work. And to be sure, stuff happens. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're straining body and mind for in a seven-day sashin with the uh, kiosako <laughs> being used, uh, you know quite liberally, um, stuff's going to happen. You know, something's going to break through. Um, but the problem is, what about the heart? Uh, and, and that was my problem, was um, I came to see, it was actually through, because about 20 years ago, I trained as a grief and trauma therapist. I started to see how much I was using my own practice to kind of hope try to skip over my own unresolved stuff. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there with it again. So at some point, you know, coming out of doksan, having solved a koan, and yet feeling more tense than when you went in, it's time for a change. (laughs) So Ajahn Suchito again, he says, no amount of hammering will ease your mind out of despair and grief. So try faith and compassion instead. He also says, our assumed sense of self is the unexamined familiar. The unexamined familiar. There is stuff so close to us that we've never looked at, that we don't even question. There are ancient energies, programs running all the time. And we bring those programs, those energies, to every moment of our experience. So that's the work. It's not about attainments. Attainments happen or they don't happen. I once on retreat with Ajahn Suchita, I once jokingly said, so it's not about getting the 11th jhana, and he laughed and said, no, it's about becoming a genuine person, and by the way, there is no such thing as an 11th jhana, Here's Ajahn Suchito again. Our dispassionate awareness to bear, sorry, we bring our dispassionate awareness to bear on how, where, and when our hurts really are. This takes us into the heart that always tries to find a place within the five aggregates. In Theravada, we call them the khandas, in Sanskrit, skandas. So we always try to find a place within the five aggregates that wants to be a solid personality, wants to feel comfortable, wants guarantees, wants something to hold on to, but just can't get it. Nothing ever sticks. But isn't that good news? When we understand this, we can stop suffering over being the misfit and shift our attention and intention beyond being a thing having a position, and going places, we can witness our life with wisdom. Then there is the realization of that which is knowing and insightful, which brings forth a response of compassion rather than a response of frustration. That shift is the essence of liberation. So it's it's really uncanny that um, I I said to Mark um, some time ago, you know, he said, "Well, you got a topic for your talk," and and so my topic is generally. Uh, I probably should have started with the, with the topic, right? <laughs> my topic is generally <clears throat> where. Dharma and Dhamma meet, and loosely, I said, two arrows meeting in midair. Yeah. So, um, even though I do practice now in Theravada, um, I still do a lot of work with the old masters from from my experience and readings of the Pali Canon. Uh, and going back and looking at some of these masters, there's no division. You know, It's the same stuff. So And what I didn't know when I gave uh, Mark my title, was that within a couple of weeks, I would be working directly with, Chan Master, Guagu. Um, through a whole bunch of very interesting karmic connections, uh, I, I had two, two books on Zen that I was about to read. And then I had ordered, pre-ordered Gua Gu's book, Silent Illumination and uh, it arrived just as I was about to open these other two Zen books. I read Hua Gu's book and just devoured it and there were lights going off like and connections being made Um, and I thought wow. I've always been impressed by uh, the old Chan master Hong Ji, who <coughs> Guagu has corrected me. it's pronounced Hungja, Hongja. And uh, So so I get the book, I read the book, then Tricycle had uh, a couple of videos, and I joined those video sessions. And then suddenly I get an email from IMS about a six-week program he is running. So I'm now in week three. And last week, Wagyu asked me to start commenting on his teachings from a Theravada point of view and making connections. So that's my talk. (laughs) I had no idea that was going to happen, right? So here we are. So, all of a sudden, I'll be introducing some stuff from Hongja, Hongji, (laughs) which I had no intention of doing, but the the connections are quite amazing. So, So Hongja says, take the backward step and open both hands. To gain such steadiness, you must completely release the invisible pounding and weaving of the mind. And in another passage, those last words read, the pounding and weaving of your ingrained ideas. The pounding and weaving of the mind. What a beautiful phrase that is. I mean, doesn't that say it, you know, like day in and day out, isn't the mind... Pounding and weaving, it's got to be like this and got to do this. And that. Um, I had a perfect experience of that yesterday morning. So we go online with uh, Guagu at, um, he's a head of the Tallahassee Zen Center, by the way, Tallahassee Chan Center. And he was the, um, Senior Dharma heir of Master Sheng Yen is the senior Dharma heir. So yesterday morning, <clears throat> I get up and uh, uh, you know, having coffee, feeding the cats, da da da. And uh, some of you met my wife Darcy about a month ago. Well. Darcy does a lot of writing, so she had been up to 3 in the morning working on a new chapter on political grief, uh, which is a winner, I think. Anyway, it's a whole other story. Um, So she's sleeping in, and, and, you know, so in my mind, I've got a list of about four or five things that I want to get done before uh, we go online with Guagu and... And do his teachings. And uh, so I'm you know unloading the dishwasher, feeding the cats, sipping on coffee, and I look at the clock, and I see it's 10-2. And I start to panic because I've still got all these things that I want to get done. And what will what will Boagu think if I'm late? And if if I don't do these things, what will Darcy think <laughs> when I haven't cleaned up after myself? You know, like who am I more afraid of, my wife or <laughs> Like that's the pounding and weaving of the mind. It just on and on and on and on. So Wong just says, take the backward step and let go with both hands. Just drop it. Just drop it. But to drop it, we got to recognize that it's going on. Most of the time, we don't recognize that it's going on because elsewhere, Guagu Hongji says, it's silently and secretly working in the body-mind system. So it's, you know, and we don't notice it until we get, still, quiet, here and now, here's the way from here, or here's the place from here, the way unfolds. Um, just, Just by the way, I'm happy to send, like all the quotes that I use here, I'm happy to send on to Mark, and he can share with you. I'm I'm fine with that. In the Pali Canon, in a number of places, there's the statement, the Dharma, visible here and now, timeless, worthy of investigation discernible by the wise. It's not anywhere else. It's here and now. So Dogen isn't saying anything different than the Pali Canon. Rinzai isn't saying anything different than the Pali Canon. Um Hongja isn't saying anything different. And that last piece um, discernible by the wise <clears throat> excuse me uh, Tennyson Robco now translates as knowable uh, by the observant which I find a nice shift you know because the wise uh, seems like unachievable Observant, that's all. Observant. If the Dharma is here and now, well, we should be able to find it, experience it, even though it's subtle, mysterious. So one of my, um, sometimes in my little meditation groups that I facilitate on, I might, I don't do koans. I'm, I mean, I've done koans. I don't do koans with people. I don't assign them koans. But well, take, we'll take something from a koan and use it as a meditation reflection. And a number of them work beautifully with, um, for example, Anapanasati, mindfulness with breathing, or the Satipatthana, four foundations of mindfulness. For example, Zen Master Rinzai's whatever arises, Don't believe it. Trust in your own inner light. That works perfectly with Anupanisatthi just watching. Experience arising and passing, arising and passing. So it's not that, like, don't believe it doesn't mean that whatever is arising and passing is a lie. It means that our interpretation of it is off the mark. Trust in your own inner light. Trust in that moonlight of wisdom, the moonlight that Dogen talks about reflected on the water. The moonlight doesn't get wet. The water doesn't isn't disturbed <clears throat> so i was uh, i was a recovering existentialist and major in philosophy like 50 years ago <clears throat> and um I don't remember much. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, studying, I, I thought that by becoming a philosophy major, it would get rid of my anxiety. Um, and after studying uh, Sartre's uh, Being in Nothingness and uh, Camus' Stranger and The Plague and uh, Kierkegaard's sickness unto death, um, my anxiety didn't go away, (laughs) go figure, you know. Um, The one piece that did stay with me is actually from uh, the mystic existentialist Martin Buber, who wrote I and Thou. And Martin Buber once said, <clears throat> God is the mysterium tremendum. He is also the mystery of the self-evident closer to me than my I, capital I. That works pretty good as a colon. A very mysterious, or for a long time to me, this was a very mysterious piece from the Pali Canon. Within this fathom high body, with its thoughts and perceptions, lies the world, the arising of the world, the passing of the world, and the way that leads to the cessation of arising and passing. Listen to Hanja. The way wanders in the empty middle of the circle, reaching the vacancy where appearances are forgotten. The pure, ultimate self blazes, brilliantly simply from inherent illumination, facing the boundary of the object world without yet creating the sense gates. I'm going to repeat that one facing the boundary of the object world without yet creating the sense gates. Realize the subtlety of how to eliminate the effects of the swirling flow of arising and passing, of arising and extinction. So what is it closer to me than my eye? In this rising and passing world, there's something else. It doesn't arise, it doesn't pass. I was giving a talk at uh, Satipanya Insight in Toronto. I said that years ago, <clears throat> the uh, the words from the Nirvana Sutra um, really grabbed me. Um, there is an... uncreated, unconditioned, unformed, unconditioned, unformed. there would be no escape from the world of the born, the created, the conditioned and the formed. So those words, you know, unborn, unconditioned, unconditioned, you know, they really and those words really fascinated me for years. The words that fascinate me now is there is. There is. not 2,500 years ago, not six kalpas from now when we become fully enlightened, but there is right at this moment, an unborn, uncreated, unconditioned, unborn. So tuning into that, but how do we tune into that? Formless, signless, Go back to the beginning. Here is the place. From here, the way unfolds. We can't get it, we can't get rid of it. All we can do is rest in it, trust it. So I could go on for quite a bit, but I think I'll uh, close it off shortly. So one more thing. so a few years ago, I, I was uh, communicating with Ajahn Amaro, who's taken over as the um, kind of senior monk in, uh, in Ajahn Chah's Western lineage. And um, he and Ajahn Sachito together, I guess, and there's a few others. Um, and we started out talking about uh, Some probably a lot of you are familiar kind of basically with uh, the image of Plato's cave, right? So Plato's image of men in the cave, people in the cave, is um, staring at the wall and the entrance to the cave is behind and the sunlight is coming through the cave and so all they see are the shadows on the wall. So that's reality. And, uh, you know, I suggested to him that it's it's kind of a, it's not a bad sort of image to kind of play with to get a sense of nirvana, samsara, you know, how does that work kind of thing, conditioned and unconditioned. And, um, leaving aside Plato's other stuff where he goes off into ideal worlds and stuff, which is just the mind manufacturing new stuff, right? Um, And it works with the Zen concept of, you know, taking the backward step, turn the light around so you can see where the light's actually coming from. You know, we have this, how's this, wow. I, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind, how, what? wow, wow, the whole world suddenly appears, you know. how's that happen? Um, so, uh, then at some point, I suggest to uh, Ajahn Amaro that, you know, truth be told, uh, we back our way into awakening. It's not a going forward. It can't be grasped. It's a softening, letting go, softening, letting go, opening, receiving, letting go. go. And then at some point I said, um, it's like we're already standing on the shore of nirvana, but we're looking the wrong way. We're always, well, where is it, where is it, where is it, where is it? We're looking, eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind, and take the backward step. What's that? As Hong Ji says, how's that go? And I just read this this morning. That's why it's not. Facing the boundary of the object world without yet creating the sense gates. So like coming into the here and now is like the event horizon of experience. So which side is which, which side is samsara, which can't really talk about sides but to even allow language to work, we have to point. So I'm going to let um, the sixth patriarch have the last word, and then I'll take questions or comments. So Nang said, in this moment, there is no thing that comes to be. In this moment, there is no thing that ceases to be. Thus, in this moment, there is no birth and death to be brought to an end. And although it is just this moment, there is no limit to this moment. And herein lies eternal delight. So, I have to roll my nose here, excuse me. So if anybody has any questions or comments, or I could tell some funny stories. <laughs> I actually do have a funny story about chanting, if anybody wants to hear. Well,
1: why don't you go for that first, Brad? OK, so as, as Mark said, you know, I <clears throat> worked
0: in cemeteries and crematoria for 42 years before retiring. So when I started out, um, I was a grave digger. And uh, so we had one particular garden where it was called extra deep. So we dig, and it's a myth about graves being six feet deep. No, it's just, as long as they're about four feet and got two feet of cover and that's it. Anyway, so extra deep is actually only about seven feet, seven and a half feet. So we had this extra be a garden, but the backhoe we had once it was stationed couldn't quite reach the far corner. So, um, you know, I was using the backhoe and loading up. The guy with the trailer would take the dirt away, and we got to a certain point, and uh, and I couldn't get the far corner. So I had to get down in the grave to dig it out by hand and drag it over to the backhoe bucket to pull it up. It's completely illegal, by the way. You're not, (laughs) at at that time, uh, uh, we didn't quite have the laws about shoring and all that, but you're not allowed to go down in a trench deeper than, you know, four, four and a half feet or something like that. But anyway, so I had the whole boom of the backhoe down for security, but it's still not security, still could have died. Anyway, so I get down there, and I'm working away on it. And I suddenly look around and realize where I am. You know, there's graves all around, dead bodies all around for like 60 acres, and I'm down in this hole. So I start doing uh, the Return of Merit that we used to chant in um, in Japanese, and then we changed it into English, and uh, and it's echoing all in this grave. So I'm like, sanchi shifushi sa mokosa moko And then, so I'm doing that for a while. And then I get up on the bucket and pull myself out of the grave. And in the time I had been in there, people had come to visit to put flowers. And all they were hearing was this voice in the grave. And suddenly, this guy comes out. <laughs> like, And I'm trying to pretend that nothing is just ordinary. <laughs> anyway, so
1: that's the story. That's great, voices from the grave, great. <laughs> so I, I uh, first of all, Brad, beep bells. Thank you so much. I, I have, um, I I love some of the things you just said and um, I loved uh, some, you said um, the unexamined familiar.
0: Mm.
1: I love that phrase. And it reminded me, somehow, my mind flipped to the Mountains and Rivers Sutra. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we stand in the river, and we think we got it all. And then we climb up on the mountain, and we see everything else. But, say that again?
0: And and also, um, when body and mind is not filled with the Dharma, you think it's complete when body and mind is filled with the Dharma, you know that something
1: is missing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that, I mean, there were a number of things you made me think about. Uh, I'm, I'm a Dogen guy, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> as you know. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, not, I'm gonna shut up. I just wanted to thank you for that and make no, me no, think that way. No, we've good. got other people here who uh, have lots to think about and say, I think. I
0: Anybody? hope. Anybody? I can go
1: on. <laughs> no? What it? Give, give him a second. Give him a second.
0: Yeah, this this medium is so weird, isn't it? I mean, you know, I, I've i done uh, in the courses I teach on, on like trauma, grief and trauma and stuff. Um, I have mandatory weekend workshops and so, I mean, for some people, to be face-to-face in a group, they just freeze. And for other people, the reverse is true. Like, there's something about having your face on a screen that's too vulnerable, you know. Um, so it's really, yeah, it's a strange, strange medium. Um, what, and the other thing is that... Uh, I think there's a teaching about transcendence, too, because I've online and it doesn't matter, you know, people can be in Israel and South Africa and, and still it's not the same, but still you can feel the collective energy just as you would to a certain degree in, in a sashim or retreat or whatever. Yes, sir. I'm curious to know, uh, have you studied Pali? Do you read the suttas in the original language? No. No, no. No, uh, no I, I don't. But, and, and that's, um, actually, if I got to it, that, that was part of what I w- wanted to talk about was the, the unfortunate renderings of some words from the Pali. Because Pali is quite a, a nuanced language, and there are all kinds of things that don't translate exactly. Nirvana is one of them, Nibbana. Um, one of my favorites is Rapture. So in in all of the teachings around absorption teachings, they, they keep talking about Rapture, Rapture. Well, that's a really lousy translation. To my mind, a really lousy translation of the word and very misleading because, um, you know, if, if you look up the roots of the word that's used, that gets translated as rapture, it really just means refreshment, uplifting. So people read rapture and they think, well, I've never experienced rapture in meditation. Sure you have. If you've meditated at all, you've experienced what they're talking about. Right? So that's one of the unfortunate things. The other thing is translating nirvana as extinction. Well, you got to read mind like fire unbound to understand um, the term extinction has to do with the ancient Indian concept of fire, which was that when you made a fire, you actually captured the god of fire. He, he was captured in the fire. When you extinguish the fire, he's released back out into the ten directions everywhere, omnipresent, right? So that's the meaning of nibbana or nirvana. So I, I, did, I did see, a I thought I saw a hand go up or somebody was sinking. I'm not sure what was going on. This, uh... Brad, this was a, a lovely talk. Thank you so much. I, I, can you repeat that
1: phrase that you just said, facing the boundary of the object world without mm-hmm. activating the sense And who that was from?
0: That was Hong Ji. Hong Ji? Yeah, I'll, I'll send the quotes out to Mark, yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be lovely.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then uh, I'll forward them on, guys. Um, mm-hmm. Also, what was that's the name of the book again, Brad? Uh, sure, hold it up. Maybe. Uh, Silent Illumination. Oh, yeah, Silent
0: Illumination.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Inter- interestingly, I'm just reading um <laughs> This, oh, let's see if I can find it now. Here, I don't know if you all can see this. Can you see that? It's uh, oops, it went away. Okay, yeah, I'm reading uh, Chan and Zen Teachings by Luke Kuan Yu, Charles Luke, which is from the 60s, 1960s. It's phenomenal, yeah. It, it you know. We all, those of us who are Zen, would help us to read what the Chan.
0: Yeah, Brad, are you talking about the Zen teacher Guo Gu? That he just did a translation of the Gateless Gate. Uh, is this the same teacher you're talking? About? I'm trying to sh- hold it up here, but it doesn't. Uh, I can't.
1: You got to hold it in front of your body to to. There you go.
0: Passing through the gateless, uh, Guang. Yep. Guogu. Yep. Yeah, same teacher. Yeah. Same teacher, except he (laughs) just done a whole uh, commentary and translation of Gates Gate, which uh, was very interesting. And yet he he doesn't teach koans anymore.
1: Uh huh.
0: Um, He uh, and Shang Yan went through the same kind of uh, process. Apparently he. In, in the early 70s, Xingyan stopped teaching koans and just went to silent illumination. Mm. And that didn't mean exactly just sitting. It meant um, oh, I d- don't want to keep you. Um, okay, I'll, I'll read a line. Here's, here's one line. Uh, Dharma practice involves the 4, four fourfold processes of exposing, embracing, transforming, and letting go of self. So that's Guagu. And so that's how he sees silent illumination. So it's not, um, yes, it's just sitting, but it's more than just sitting, right? <laughs> you know, uh, you actually have to work with your stuff. So, you know, I- expose those uh, si- silent poundings and weavings of the mind, and then take the backward step and let them go. Looks like it's lunchtime, but I'm... I'm willing to hang around if there's any other questions or comments.
1: This is probably good we We like to s- just let everybody go for it's actually eleven o'clock here.
0: Oh, right. okay, yes. And, and that that's another thing I got completely backwards i was I was prepared to get up, you know extra early today because I had the time zones mixed. I thought that you know, Fortunately, I have a wife who's much more intelligent than I am, and Darcy said to me last night, well, yeah, so you'll be going uh, from 10 to noon, and I said, no, I'm going from 8 to 10.
1: That's taking the forward step.
0: (laughs) It's taking taking the forward step into the usual (laughs) muddle-headedness, yes. (laughs)
1: Thank you again, Brad. All right. Thank you so much, Brad. That was just a lovely Dharma talk you gave. Absolutely lovely. Take care. Thank you. Brad, I'll be in touch. Be well.
0: Stay safe.